Live Creative Now, Episode 102. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work. Because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, Passion Pluralite Artist, Happiness Catalyst, and Creativity Instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, here to address all your questions about living a full-color, creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind, writer, painter, musician, whatever, or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. And it's how you change the world. Before we get started... I wanted to tell you about this really cool thing that I'm part of that I thought you might be interested in. It is called the Art Bundle for Good, and it is a project by this guy, John Bardos. He got together a whole bunch of artists and art teachers and art business coaches and invited us to contribute classes and courses and tutorials and basically a whole bunch of really cool resources. So it's this bundle of all of these amazing art resources. So it's got art courses from people like Tamara Laporte and Flora Bowley and art marketing and business resources from people like my friend Corey Huff of The Abundant Artist and Artsy Shark and creativity resources from me and from people like Mark McGinnis and uh, my course, Creative Sandbox 101 one of my signature courses, and my Erase the Chaos Toolkit are both part of the bundle. And it's it's over 50 resources bundled together, over $2,500 worth of amazingness. But here's a really cool thing. For this week only, through um, April 2nd, at a moment of like, wait, what month are we in? (laughs) Through April 2nd only, you can get all of it, $2,500 worth of value for just $97. I am not kidding. Less than $100. Totally insane. So all of these amazing resources, everything from mixed media art courses and art journal video courses, colored pencil courses, a brush lettering course, an animal painting workshop, a course on becoming a logo designer, to a book on promoting your art, and on and on and on. There's so much amazingness. And you can see everything at, I have a short short URL. It's bit.ly slash capital ABG. Those are all capital letters. 2017. So it's bit.ly slash capital A, capital B, capital G, 2017. You have to plug in capital letters, otherwise it will not work. So bit.ly slash capital A-B-G for Art Bundle for Good 2017. bit.ly slash capital A, capital B, capital G 2017. So check it out and grab it before it goes away. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can check it out. And if you're not 100% satisfied, you can get your money back. So that's pretty cool. 
And 25% of the proceeds, this is so awesome, 25% goes to an art charity for kids, freearts.org. And this is one of the big reasons why I decided to participate because I just think that's so awesome. Anyway, it is a really, really cool deal. And there's an FAQ section right on that website at bit.ly slash capital A, capital B, capital G. 2017, which answers all the questions that you might have about the bundle. So go check it out at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash capital A, capital B, capital G, 2017, bit.ly slash capital A-B-G 2017. And now on with today's episode. I have another conversation for you today. Another one of these conversations that has been in the can for a year and a half. (laughs) I'm finally getting around to publishing it. (sighs) Ah, yes. Well, so this conversation is with Tamara Bailey. And I met Tamara at Patty Dye's Life is a Verb Camp back in 2013, before it was even called <laughs> Life is a Verb Camp, but it had a different name back then. Uh, this is before I, long before I started the podcast, I met, it was when I met Tamara. When I started the podcast a couple of years later, I knew that I wanted to have Tamara on the show. Like me, Tamara is not a born performer. I am not a born performer. (laughs) You may not know that about me, but it is true. Like me, Tamara is filled with doubt. (laughs) And at some point in her journey, as you will hear in uh, the conversation that I had with her, at some point, someone said to her about her songs, you know, these are really great songs. If you could just get someone else to sing them. Ooh, ouch, right? Well, thankfully, she met someone later who was able to tell her that her songs were were hers and she needed to sing them. So, so much of this conversation is really about owning your own voice. So enjoy, have a listen, and let me know what you think. Why don't you first just tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Uh, My name is Tamara Bailey, and my husband and I run a gymnastics training center for children. That's my paying gig. And we have three daughters. And so our family business is running the gym. And then my own... My own thing that I do in the world is uh, I'm a singer-songwriter, and so I put together my own albums and just kind of share my songs in my own little corner of the world, and and so that's my thing that's kind of my creative outlet, um, aside from what we do as our family business. I didn't know that that was your family business. That's really cool. So are you and your husband, do you have gymnastics backgrounds? Yeah, I was in gymnastics for a long time as, as a kid and through high school. And then my husband, his family are longtime gymnastics people. So when he was growing up, his family always ran gymnastics centers. 
he himself was a diver instead of a gymnast, but it's a lot the same thing. And then he and his sister opened up the gym that we all work at now. So my husband and my sister-in-law and I run it together. Wow. So are you on the floor teaching kids? Sometimes. Most of what I do now is management, but I've been doing that job for 25 years. So when I started out, I was an on-the-floor teacher. And now most of what I do is management and hire people and train them to be the on-the-floor teachers. Cool. And how did, when and how did you get into writing songs? Uh, we have three daughters, and our oldest daughter just turned 17. And when she was two years old, the first song I wrote was a birthday gift for her when she turned two. And I had just barely started learning to play guitar. And, and someone showed me that if you only knew two or three chords, you could, you could write a song. And I thought, well, that's cool. So I, I wrote this little song um, for Cassidy when she turned two. And I thought that it would just be a one-time thing. And then after I wrote that song, these songs just kept coming to me in the world. So when they come to find me, I write them down. And now we just put out, um, my 10th album just came out and we have over a hundred songs that we've saved. Wow. That's phenomenal. So, okay. So back up a little bit. What, tell me what led you to pick up the guitar? You know, that was kind of a weird, a weird thing. I, I hadn't been musical in my life and and not too long before I'd written that first song, I had just seen an advertisement in the newspaper. You remember newspapers? <laughs> and there was an advertisement for a folk band and something about it just caught me. And I thought, well, that might be fun. And I hadn't really played guitar. And so I, I went to this, we just had this little class and we would meet once a week and we learned basic guitar and played folk songs and, and I just really liked how it felt to learn something new and do something that was outside of my everydayness. And so the that little group just kind of was a Saturday morning, let's get together and, and play some songs. And it just became something that I couldn't I couldn't go through my life anymore without picking up that guitar, even when I only had two or three chords to play. Wow. So it sounds like well Tell me about so you were working at the you were working at the the gymnastics center at that time. How, how long have you been playing guitar? Um, I probably started when Cassidy was a baby, and she's. <laughs> that, if I say that, if I say that I've been playing sixteen or seventeen years, people will assume that I can play much better. <laughs> <laughs> but I found out as I learned how to play guitar. The thing about if you only have a few chords, you could put together a song, and and what really caught my interest was putting together songs and choosing words and and so I didn't worry as much about learning to play guitar better because I learned kind of early on that like there's a great friend of mine who writes songs with me now and and I can come up with the melody and the words and he is a phenomenal musician so I thought okay if I can get these words down and if I can sing the melody and play the chords I can play he adds all the music for me and makes it awesome so I don't have to play like him. I can just play like me and he can turn it into this. And, and making the songs is what really catches me. What is it about making the songs that catches you? I really love that. For me, I can take something that 
has happened, that's either a good thing or a bad thing. And, and if it's a bad thing that has happened and I kind of process it and write a song, now I have this, this place where those feelings can live that's not inside of me, but I still have that song. And when I hear it, I can still feel those feelings and, and kind of process that some more, but it doesn't live inside me anymore. And the good things that happen when I save those in a song, I start to feel like I'm not going to lose track of my memories because I have these moments that I've been able to save. And so I really love this idea that, that I tell people sometimes that if you listen to all my songs, you would probably get to know me about as well as anyone could know me who doesn't live in here because they're my stories and they're the things that were important enough to me that I wanted to save. I love that. It is, it is like, creating whether it's a a song or a painting or whatever it's like it kind of i don't know focuses a a microscope or a or a laser or i don't know what the right metaphor is right on sort of a particular moment of your life or something right very cool there's one song um that i wrote recently for my daughters we all went to oregon and we were watching the sunset and my daughters and i were sitting on this bench we were watching the sun go down and I got, there's a certain feeling that I get when I know there's a song that's, that's going to happen. And, and I felt that song feeling and I looked over at my daughters and the sun was going down and the, the pink sky was shining on their faces and we were all laughing about something. And I just got kind of really happy and really sad at the same time because it was such a beautiful moment. But then it was so, it reminded me that this moment is not always going to be like this. And someday we're not all going to sit on this bench and watch sunsets together. And so I kind of have this happy, sad sort of thing. And anyway, I wrote a song about that. And now when I hear that song, it's like I'm back on that bench and those girls are there next to me. And I feel exactly how I felt when I was sitting there. And I, I wonder if I didn't have these songs, if my memories of those moments would be as if I could just go back in time and be in those moments again. Yeah. Music has a really powerful way of, bringing us back. It makes me think also about the the one trip I took with, I took a trip with my parents in 2001 to Spain. And I am not an art journaler. That's not anything I've ever really done, but I brought this little mini journal with me. And <laughs> one museum in particular, I would do sketches throughout the trip, but one museum in particular, it was a museum of musical instruments as it happens. And I was drawing these instruments with my little pen and my little note, my little sketchbook. And I am not, I'm not, I'm not the like realistic drawing drafter phenomenal person, but you know, so they weren't always really like not to scale and stuff like that. But, but the, I, I remember the experience of drawing made me see the instruments so much more and made that moment so rich and um, like saturated for me. Like those are the moments that I remember the the times where I pulled out my sketchbook and drew much more than if I had snapped a picture because you really have to be there. And it's the same thing when you're writing a song, if you're writing, whether it's you're making up a story that's not your own or you're writing it from your own story, you have to be in that moment in order to write it. Yeah, I love that. I agree with you. Well, I know also, I remember when we met at uh, a camp in 2013, Patty Dies, now it's called Life is a Verb Camp. 
And I remember you saying something, I'm not sure if it was at the 2013 camp or the 2014 camp, but I remember you talking about how it was, you were, it was not a natural thing for you to get up on stage and share your music, to sing your music for people. Can you talk about that? Because now you perform quite a bit. <laughs> well, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting to think back about how that, how that happens. Because it's weird how in just a few years, who we are and who we used to be, like you're still who you've always been, but yet there's this other component to you that, that you didn't have before. But I, for a long time, I was, I was working with someone whose, whose energy wasn't the best fit with mine in terms of, of just, just really energy. Our, our connection was one where I would leave the music studio sometimes feeling a bit worse about myself than when I got there. And, and like I said, I love making these songs, but I didn't think of myself as a singer. I didn't even own the word songwriter. I just knew that the way I felt when I made these songs was something that I really loved. And a mutual, a friend of mine introduced me to one of our mutual friends and said, you know, you really should come and record with, with this other person. So I recorded with this other person and the experience was completely different and wonderful. And that friend introduced me to the man I make songs with now. And, and that man's name is Ryan Tilby. And he is an engineer as well as a musician. So through a series of friendship connections, um, he and I met. And as we, when we met and we started making songs together, I realized that I was very used to giving up disclaimers about my songs. And I think I was used to putting the disclaimers out there before anyone else could give them to me. And so I would say, yeah, I write these songs, but I don't make any money. And, and I write these songs, but, you know, there are all these things that I would give the disclaimer first. And one of the things that a few people had told me as I was in those early years of writing is people would say, well, these are great songs if you could just get someone else to sing them. Wow. And, <laughs> and that's, that's a funny thing, because I don't fancy myself to be a singer. But at the same time, when someone says that, it, it's something to carry. So my friend Ryan and I were in the studio and we were working on this song and he said, I really like this song. And I said, yeah, it would be great if I could just get someone else to sing it, right? Because I thought, well, I'll save him the trouble and I'll just, I'll just put it up first. <laughs> like I didn't want him to think that I thought I was any better at it than I am. And he just looked at me and just shook his head and he said, no, Tam, these are your songs. You have to sing them. Otherwise, what's the point? And it was, it was this, it's, it's a moment like that, that you go back to and think, wow, that really changed something for me. Like that helped me just think of it as these are my songs and I do need to sing them. And whether anybody else gets it or is listening or cares, it really doesn't matter because I'm listening and I get it and I care and I need these songs in my life. And so it helped me to be able to just just kind of own it more and go, okay, these are my songs and I'm going to sing them. And if people want to listen, then that's, that's great. I will share them. So it kind of helped me make that transition from me being the one to give all the disclaimers to me just being able to, to own them and let them be what they are. I love that. That that's really, that is the key. That's something that I teach in my programs about, you know, dealing with criticism is, 
do it for yourself. Right. You've got to do it for yourself. And like you said, to own it. If you're doing it for yourself, yeah, of course it's going to sting if other people say <laughs> something nasty, like, gee, that'd be a great song if somebody else sang it or whatever. <laughs> but if you're doing it for you, then it's not going to, it will sting, but it's not going to completely, you know, devastate you and shut, completely shut you down. Well, and Patty Dye, our mutual friend, um, she taught me this concept about letting go of the outcome. Yes. Just, just going through the process. And I realized that if you let go of the outcome, whether it's good or bad, if that's not even what you're thinking about, then you can get up on stage and share your songs because when you're done, you're done. If you're trying to share songs hoping that people will have a certain reaction, then you're thinking about that while you're trying to do what you're doing. So one of the good takeaways of, of going through the songwriting process and, and owning these songs is that learning that you can let go of the outcome is helpful for me in a lot of areas of my life and something that I think my daughters have picked up on. But, but Patty introduced me to that about what if you didn't worry about the outcome? What if it wasn't about whether or not you sold any songs or if anybody hired you to come and sing? Or, you know, what if it's just that you write songs because you write songs? You know, you're a songwriter because you write them, not because a certain number of people buy them. Exactly. Absolutely. That's why <laughs> it's really a cornerstone of my keys to creative flow. My creative sandbox rules is, well, rule number two is think process, not product. Yeah. And I'm grateful to all the people who have helped me internalize some of those things so that I can do that. And it does take other people to reflect that back to us in order before we can internalize it ourselves, doesn't it? Yeah, sometimes it's interesting to, to, to watch how that process works when you have people around you who believe in you and say, hey, I can help you do this. And then you get up and you do it and then you go, okay, I survived that. And then the next time you do it and, it and it gets a little bit easier, but it's so nice when you have people around you who not only believe you can do it, but do the things that they can do to help you get where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember your first performance? I do. <laughs> I do. I have, I have actually two, two memories of that. And, and, one was Patty Dye came to town and I was so excited that she was even coming to town. And so she came to my town and she said, I'm doing a book signing. And she said, will you come and share a song? And I said, yes. And then I hung up the phone and panicked a little bit. <laughs> so I called Ryan and I said, Oh my gosh, Patty's coming to town. And she asked me to sing. And I said, yes. <laughs> He's like, great. I'm like, no, that's not great. Now I have to do it, and I'm really scared. So we went, uh, we went downtown, and and Ryan drove all like he lived pretty far from me then. And he drove all the way up and and played this one song for me on on guitar so that I could share the song. But I I remember that, and that was it was so kind of her to invite me, and I was so honored that she would even create that space for me to do that. And so that was the first time that I that I, I had been asked to come and, and do that kind of thing. And then we had um, my friend Ryan, his band was playing at, at a, uh, a club in North Carolina, and it was by where Patty lives. 
And so when I found that out, um, Ryan said, well, you should come and be the opener and then Patty could come and see you and you could share your songs. And so I, I just kind of laughed it off and he said, well, you think I'm kidding, but I'm not like, wow, really? I could do that. So I went um, to North Carolina and it turned out that Patty couldn't make it that day. She got sick and couldn't come. And so since Patty wasn't coming, I almost talked myself out of doing it because I thought no one else here except Brian's going to know that I did not do this. But then I, I got up and, and I did my thing and, and he played guitar for me and I shared my songs. And that was a cool experience because I was so afraid and it was so much a moment of, okay, I'm feeling terrified and, and guess what? I'm just going to do this anyway. And when I got home, I wrote a, a a blog post about that on my website, we call it a not a blog because I think the word blog sounds like something bad just happened. But I <laughs> not a blog post. And I wrote about how I felt so afraid and I had gotten up and, and, and done it anyway. And then people started writing to me about how much that story meant to them. And, and it caught my heart that me being brave enough to just sing a song was helping other people be brave about things that really mattered way more than sharing songs. And when people would write to me and say, okay, I felt afraid about this. And then I thought about how you were afraid and you got up and you did it anyway. And that helped me do it. And it, I had never really experienced how that, how that could come through me that in any way I could inspire someone else to get up and be brave. So those are the two things that stand out for me most when I think about how it felt to to get up and, and just sing in front of people. You just shared a, a fantastic example of what I mean when I say that you doing your art and sharing your work is changing the world. That's how we change the world. That's why, you know, being a, an artist or a musician or whatever is not just being an artist or a musician or whatever. You're being a creative world changer. It's, it's crazy how those dots get connected. And it's funny how, how wonderful it is that you can do something that just means so much to you. And, and it's so lovely that it means something to other people too. And, and that's not why I write them. But sometimes people will call or talk to me or say, you know, this song that you wrote, it, it means this to me and it helped me through this difficult time. And, and I'm just so grateful for whatever anybody else can, can take from that. It's, it's kind of a, a really humbling and, and powerful thing to think that something that I just wrote to try to process some kind of emotion that I had inside of me could mean something or, or make a difference in anybody else's ability to get up and do whatever their thing is. Because for me, it's, it's sharing songs, but for someone else, you know, it, it could be art or like with my kids, they were trying out for a play and they, my daughter said something about, you know, you can be brave and get up on the stage, you know, we can be brave and audition. And it's just those moments of thinking, okay, if, if I can be brave and that helps someone else be brave, that even helps me be more brave the next time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, we, we just never know how what we do is going to touch somebody else. Right. Right. And we tend to so underestimate that. I mean, people are so afraid of sharing what we do because, you know, we don't want to be judged and it's scary. It's scary putting ourselves out there. But when we come back to, again, doing it for, for the sake of, because we need to do it, right? Because there's some, something in us needs to be fed by this experience. 
And we're really focusing on that. And, and also I like the way you talk about sharing a song rather than, I don't know, performing a song or something, um, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the, using the terminology performing a song, but I do that when I get scared about performing, giving a, giving a concert or a talk or something. I remind myself that I'm sharing. I'm sharing something. I am making what Patty would call from the world of improv, a strong offer. Yeah. And I let go, release the outcome, you know, worrying about the outcome and this is what I have to share. And then how people respond to it, that's not my problem. And it is, like you said, it's always just really lovely when people respond in a really positive way. It's like this sort of like frosting. <laughs> and, and it's a funny thing because I, I write songs about the way the world looks through my eyes and, and not everybody gets them or or understands maybe where they come from in me and that has to be okay too if you let go of the outcome you're letting go of of the negative and the positive so it's so nice when people say that and it's it's not as difficult when people say oh I didn't get it or yeah your songs are hard to understand or you know that's okay too because really the point of it is separate from anything that anybody else does or doesn't get from it yeah, absolutely. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into how what how how doing your creative thing has made a positive impact on your life. I mean, everything we've talked about is really relates to that, but do you have any any more to say around that? Well, I think it has made me a better human being. And I've learned that when we take time to do things that make us who we are, it kind of opens the door for other people to feel like they can do the same. And I'm lucky that I have had friends who, who understand this idea that if you light a candle, it doesn't put your own candle out. And so I have some amazing people in my life who are, who are so great at helping me become who I am. And they realize that that doesn't take anything away from who they are. So then I can go out and now when I hear people who say, oh, I want to be an artist, then I have these little things that people have taught me where I can say, do you make art? And if they say yes, I say, oh, guess what? You are an artist. Or, you know, I work with a lot of kids and I will hear kids say, I want to be a writer. Have you written anything? Yeah. Well, guess what? Then you're already a writer. And their little eyes just light up because sometimes we just need someone to point that out. And sometimes for me, um, when whenever I can, I would much rather have one of my friends come and play guitar with me because it's so much fun to have that energy with me and it takes the pressure off of me to have to do the whole thing myself. But there have been times when I have gotten up and shared my own songs and I learned pretty early on that when I made a mistake or when I had to stop or sometimes you forget the words or sometimes you play the wrong chord or whatever, I would have thought earlier in my life that those kind of things would make you never want to get up on stage ever, ever again. And I learned that when those moments happen, a lot of times the people who are in the audience feel like that was the more human moment of the whole thing. And there have been a lot of people where if I've been on stage and I've messed something up and I either just laugh or keep going or 
you know, whatever at the end, just make some comment about how sometimes that happens. And then people come up to me later and they will say, you know, I, I liked how you just kept going or I liked how you made light of that or, you know, the part where you messed it up. That's the part that I say, okay, well, I can get up at the next open mic night or whatever, because if it's okay to mess up, then okay, that kind of opens up some space where it's okay for me to try too. And so it's not that I got up there intending to inspire people by making mistakes, but when you make those mistakes and you live through it, I think that has been a, a surprising thing that people have talked to me about after and said, I'm glad that you showed me how to do that. Because now if I get up and I know that it's okay if I make a mistake, and that's a lot of what we, we do with the kids at the gym. It's okay if you fall off and you climb back on and, and you keep going. And, and this is sort of the, the songwriter version of that, that it's okay if you mess up and, and you just keep going. So I think that that is a lesson that I've been able to share with people in a way that I didn't intend. But now it doesn't, it doesn't freak me out as much to get up on stage because, okay, if you're going to mess it up and, and you keep going, the world doesn't end. The world's the same as it was a few minutes ago. And it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, the funny thing is also I know when I perform, you know, I, I make mistakes all the time. I'm not the greatest. I am by far not the greatest ukulele player on the planet. And I, you know, my voice wobbles or I forget the words or whatever. Most people don't even notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did learn that. I did learn that if I can just keep going and, you know, we did a performance recently and, and I realized too late that I had started singing the line that I didn't want to sing. And so I just kept <laughs> singing and I thought, okay, when you get to where that line's supposed to be, just make a mental note to come back and sing the line that you didn't sing the first time. And then I thought, nobody even knows these songs. Like I've written them. No one knows how they go. And so of course no one knew that and it just made me laugh inside because I thought okay if I don't say anything about that no one will know that I did that so I've learned that too to sometimes you have to acknowledge it and sometimes if you just keep going nobody else noticed or cared even if they noticed yeah and I have done that so many times a song like the second verse first okay okay I have to remember how the first verse starts so I can sing that when I come back around to the top and <laughs> right Oh my God, so funny. I get that. Well, I know you have another creative outlet that, that you have gotten into fairly recently, which is glass blowing. <laughs> yeah, glass blowing kind of found me too. That was an unusual that was an unusual thing to find me. But I there's a glass blowing studio near my, my house, and I went down there one day and I was watching um, the man who has become my friend now, and I was watching him do glass blowing, and there was just something about it that I thought, wow, I just really have to do this. And so when he took a break and came out into the, to the viewing area, before I could even think about it, I just stood up and said, hi, um, you don't know me, but I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And can you show me? And, and this man and I, if you saw us together, we are, we look like very unlikely friends. And he just smiled at me and said, okay. And he let me come in and he showed me how to do things and started talking me through the process. And 
and it has it has changed my life. It's another one of those things that I didn't expect, and it's not something that I'd always wanted to do since I was a child. It's just it just found me, and now it's become something that I I can't not do. I love that. So, how often do you do you work in the in the glass blowing studio? You know, depending on how often they need me, I'm down there either either more or less. I'm welcome to go anytime. Sometimes between the gym and and the kids and just just live stuff, um, it gets harder to go down there. But but I'm welcome anytime. And then a lot of times I'll go if they have um, some big projects or anything that they're working on. But there are a lot of things in the glass studio that kind of mirror what I've learned as as a songwriter. Things like at the glass studio, you have to let go of the outcome because it's glass. And, and so we'll make whatever we're making and then we put it in this oven and it cools down slowly overnight. Sometimes things don't survive the cooling down. So you don't know until the next day when you go and open up the oven, like sometimes it cracks overnight or it didn't, just different things happen to it. And so you can never, you can never be too secure in the outcome, even when it's done because it's made of glass and, and sometimes glass breaks. So I, that's been a big illustrator of the lesson to let go of the outcome and just participate in the process. So I love, I love that. And, and the thing that really caught me about glass blowing was um, when my friend was showing me how to do that, we take clear glass out of the oven to start with. And then if you want to put color in the glass, you roll it through these little teeny pieces of broken glass called frit. And you roll it through the color and melt it back in. And that's what brings color to a new piece. And this idea that you could take broken pieces of something and use it to bring color to something else that just changed my whole life when I saw this tangible representation of that idea. And I love that idea that there can be things in us that we feel like are broken and we feel like there are rough edges and things that people wouldn't love about us. And maybe all those broken pieces are the things that bring color to who we are. And maybe that color is how people recognize us in the world. And so when he showed me that, I just thought, oh, that is the best thing I've ever seen. I just love that idea. So I've written a lot about that, this idea that maybe sometimes we feel like there's something broken and that's not what's broken about us. That's what's beautiful about us. That sounds like a song to me. I've written some songs. About that. <laughs> yeah, I, write, I write a lot of songs in my head when I'm at the glass studio. And, and it's, it's very connected to, I mean, there's heat and energy and gravity and just I feel like I'm connected to things that are bigger than myself. And so it's, it's, and you have to pay attention because it's very dangerous. So you, you have to think about what you're doing. So sometimes I'll go down there and I'll have things on my mind or, or problems I'm trying to sort out. And it's almost like a meditation because you have to focus so much on what you're doing that it kind of gives your mind a break from thinking about anything else. And, and you just have to be aware of, of what's going on. So that mindfulness really helps me too. Wow. That is so cool. I love it there. When it's a, a glass studio day or a recording studio day, like those are some of my best days because like at the recording studio, it's like you have to think about what you're doing and you have to let go of other stuff and you just have to be brave and stand there and do your thing. And in the glass studio, it's kind of the same thing. You have to be brave and, and stand there and feel all those feelings and just focus on, 
on what you're doing. And it, it is funny that two hobbies that are so different from each other give me a lot of the same experiences. Like I feel a lot of the same energy going through those processes. Yeah, you know, it doesn't really surprise me from the outside looking in only because my own experience is that the various different creative outlets and and other kinds of parts of my life, I see so many overlaps, you know, like I, I do, I've started doing these stop motion animations and oh, yes, and I love them. Oh, thanks. They're so great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> They're my latest passion. Oh. And, you know, there's so many, like, I can relate that to recording with my looper or, you know, playing my ukulele or writing or painting and doing improv that everything informs everything else. And there's always, you know, because, because you're the person, you're the, um, what's the word? You're the common denominator. So of course there's always a through line in there. But well, and I tend to take everything and turn it into symbolism and metaphor. And, you know, at the glass studio, I just think all of that is so symbolic and, and metaphorical of all these other things. And then when I make songs, all of that is symbolism and metaphor of its own. So, so in a way I feel the same when I'm in those spaces, but in a way there's such different experiences too. It's, yeah. it's really funny to find the common threads there. Yeah, that is so cool. Well, Tamara, it has just been such a treat to get to talk to you and learn a little bit more about your very full color creative life that you've got going on there. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tamara. Before I wrap up this week's episode, I'm starting an experiment. Actually, I started the experiment last week, <laughs> although I didn't I didn't officially tell you that I had started the experiment. So this is inspired by a podcast that I listened to with my husband called Script Notes. It's a podcast about screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. And I have a link in the show notes to that podcast. Now, I am not a screenwriter, but my husband is. That is his avocation. That is the thing that he does for the love of it. He is off every weekend. He goes to a cafe and he writes all weekend long. And he has a, a nine to five job during the week. And on the weekends, he is writing. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. He's written, I think he's on his 11th full-length screenplay. The most recent one that he wrote is actually uh, was contracted by uh, somebody that we know who is a, a professional director and writer. So he's he's doing this very, very seriously, although he is yet to be paid for a, for a screenplay. The last one was actually under contract, which is pretty cool. Anyway, he loves this podcast, Script Notes. And the podcast is entertaining enough that I actually really enjoy it too. So even though I am not a screenwriter. So we listen to it together when we're making dinner on Tuesdays. And at the end of the episode, all this is his background. So you understand what, what this experiment is that I'm doing. At the end of each episode of Script Notes, they have what they call one cool thing. Each of the hosts... Their names are John August and Craig Mazin. 
And if they have guests, then they're guests as well. All of each of the people on the podcast share something cool, what they call one cool thing. Nothing to do with screenwriting, just a cool thing that they want to share. And I really like this idea. And it occurred to me that, you know, I have so many cool things that I encounter that I think about throughout the day that I thought, you know, I would just love to share these things with you. So why not, as an experiment, add a little section to the end of the podcast, taking a, you know, as inspiration, script notes. So last week, at the end of the podcast, I shared an Instagram feed that utterly delighted me. And this week, I am making it official (laughs) as the end of the podcast as this little something cool section. So we'll see how it goes. It's an experiment. I don't know how long it will last. But this week's something cool is completely different. This week I am sharing lentil pasta, red lentil pasta. My local Trader Joe's had it. They're currently out of stock, but they had red lentil pasta several weeks ago. I grabbed a bag. I had tried black bean pasta, was not a big fan. But I thought, well, I'll try the red lentil pasta. And it took me weeks to finally get around to making it. I made it like last week. Oh my God. It was amazing. We used to make pasta like every week. And we got out of the habit of it because it was just like, oh, so much, so many carbs, so carb heavy, carb heavy. So we stopped making pasta. And the lentil pasta, it has the same very, very similar texture as pasta, but it's got 13 grams of protein. It's, it's lentils. I am so happy. I can't even tell you. I it just like, I'm just utterly delighted because I love, <laughs> I just love pasta, but I don't, and I don't eat wheat. So the pasta that we make is always the quinoa, quinoa rice pasta. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's lower on the glycemic index anyway, but it's lentils, guys. It's lentils. I can't even tell you how ridiculously happy it makes me. So that's my something cool. Um, yesterday, I went to the grocery store. Trader Joe's is out. Their warehouse is is out. And they've been out for days, weeks, whatever. They're expecting it back in a week and a half. I actually went over to Whole Foods and I grabbed three bags of lentil pasta on sale for some ridiculously high price, like $5 a bag, (laughs) because I wanted it so badly. So that is my something cool this week. So (laughs) check it out. Anyway, if you have something something cool to share, uh, shoot me an email, or you can share it on voicemail by going to livecreativenow.com. At the footer of every page, you'll find a little voicemail link where you can actually just click on it in uh, most mobile devices will let you do it or on your computer and you can actually send me a voicemail. That's it. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, as always, the best way to thank me is to tell your friends and then hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Those ratings and reviews are invaluable because that is how other people find the show. 
And when you help other people find the show, then you are helping other people to live their own full color creative lives. Plus, you could totally make my day by leaving me a rating and review. I want to read a rating and review that somebody else read. You could also get your rating and review. Well, not your rating. Well, yeah, your rating (laughs) and review read on the podcast. So Jazz Diva 57 wrote, I love these podcasts. I'm getting fitter because I look forward to my afternoon walk and listen. That is awesome. I have to say this is Melissa interjecting. I love that Jazz Diva 57 goes on an afternoon walk when she listens. I felt a huge aha when you talked about the gap between reality and what we want to sound like. I would suggest that maybe we can rephrase that gap and call it inspiration, and that it needs to be there in order to spur us on, dot, 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 as long as we don't get discouraged and quit. Love your ideas. Thank you, Jazz Diva 57 Thank you so much for leaving a review. And absolutely, I could not agree with you more. That gap, you know what? If that gap were not there, I would get bored. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely, amen to that. Anyway, if you need step-by-step instructions on how to leave your own review over on iTunes, which I might just read out loud on one of my upcoming podcast episodes, just go to livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. That's livecreativenow.com slash iTunes hyphen review. That's it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.